You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bloom in Tech. I'm your host, David Bloom, and we look every episode at the collision of Hollywood technology and media and pick through the rubble of resulting uh, cataclysmic collisions and see what there is of value to help us guide our way through these unusual times. So glad you could join me and also so grateful that you choose to listen. I'm grateful as well for the support of our sponsors. Please uh, give them all the love they deserve. This past Friday was, uh, weirdly enough, Alien Day. That was decreed, if you missed it on your calendar, by Fox, now mostly vacuumed up by Disney, in honor of the 40th anniversary of their Alien movie franchise, as well to help celebrate the last of six video shorts inspired by the cinematic universe that is Alien hit the internet and they used it as an opportunity to expand the franchise beyond its theatrical roots. Half a dozen films and crossovers and much else for a new generation of up-and-coming filmmakers. The latest shorts were Alien Harvest by Benjamin Houdshell and Alien Alone, directed by Noah Miller. They and the creators of the other four projects, Alien Containment by Chris Redding, Alien Specimen by Kelsey Taylor, Alien Ore by the Spear Sisters and Alien Night Shift by Aiden Brezonic were all recruited through the creator platform Tongal from among its 170,000 strong pool of creators. I was pretty interested in Tongal. I've talked with their CEO, James DiGiulio, a couple of times. He's founded it. It's a 10-year-old platform. It's been around doing a lot of interesting stuff with brands, but connecting that giant pool of creators with brands of all sorts the shorts have been rolling out weekly for the Alien, the build-up to Alien Day for the past month on IGN. Beginning later this week, on May 3rd, they'll collectively be available on AlienUniverse.com and through a set of social media channels under the handle Alien Anthology, along with other content like behind-the-scenes pictures and video, etc., etc. They've been a hit so far. The first couple of shorts generated 7.6 million minutes of watch time on YouTube alone in their first two weeks of release. The six filmmakers were chosen from 550 submissions from across the Tongal platform, with each chosen filmmaker given, quote, unprecedented access to the franchise, including storytelling elements, creatures, and characters to bring new terrifying experiences to life for audiences, unquote, for, according to a release. They're pretty fun. Uh, You should check them out if you're a fan of uh, space horror, science fiction, action horror, I think is probably the set of sub-genres that all come together in Alien. The new filmmakers are a diverse lot, including filmmakers the Spear Sisters, whose ore is attracting a lot of online buzz. Uh, They're following in a grand tradition with Alien of notable filmmakers who've been involved, beginning with Ridley Scott, of course, and including James Cameron, David Fincher, and Jean-Pierre Jeunet. More recently, Scott did two prequels, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. The franchise also spawned two crossover films with another sci-fi Fright Fest favorite, The Predator, as well as countless comic books, video games, and more. And I have to say, some of the video games that I've played are scary indeed. I, you actually get a sense of trying to dodge and get away from these almost unkillable beasts. But the people tending to the Alien franchise knew they needed to keep 
connecting it to this generation's fans, and so they chose to create a bunch of online-first short films. They turned to Tongal, um, whose DiGiulio calls it a reverse Kickstarter. I'll include an interview with him in a few minutes. And Tongal's clients include brands such as Lululemon, Mattel, and Lego, as well as studios and networks such as Fox, MGM, and NBC that want online content connected to their films and TV series. I mean, basically, as DiGiulio tells in our interview, brands know they can't just get away with putting up yet another 30-second commercial. And they're right. They need to figure out in this universe of content marketing that's evolving how to connect and punch through all the noise out there with stuff that fans and the core audience that supports a big franchise will connect with. Just saying, keep watching Alien won't be enough. Having new content that people can talk about, share, get engaged with, care about, and perhaps be inspired by is really the future. So anyway, give a listen. This is a Nice little conversation with James. He's an interesting guy, and what they're doing, I think, is pretty fascinating. 170,000 people on their overall platform, as many as 1,000 people worked in one way or another on some part of these six shorts. Anyway, give a listen. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. Thanks so much for uh, giving a listen and staying with us for the interview with James DiGiulio, the CEO and co-founder of Tongal, um, based in Santa Monica, and the work that they did to create uh, through their platform uh, to find the creators who uh, helped make six short films to help celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Alien film franchise. Here we go. So, so let's start out. Just tell me, uh, sketch a big picture of what Tongal is and how you all do what you do. We really think of ourselves as a community of creators, of a mm-hmm. uh, sort of uh, you know every every walk of life, every geography, um, and every place in the world. We we you know ultimately, I started the company because. I really wanted to democratize the business of content creation. I, I, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on at the time. I mean, look, I, I don't like my, my background was sort of more in traditional entertainment and, and features and, and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, my first, like I would say awakening into what this would become was, was, was really around how bad we were in Hollywood at accessing new talent. Right. Even people who like talent that people would refer to as new in Hollywood were really kind of already in the system. Um, you know, it got to the it got to the economy of you know um, only making job offers to people who had lots of other job offers. And then very early, what happened to me anyway was that you wound up because of the uh, legacy systems that were around. You you wound up having to always hire who was hot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was this magic thing that I had found in my life, which is you really want to be the person who gives somebody their shot mm-hmm. and, and, and you want to be the person who connects the opportunity to somebody who really wants the opportunity. Whenever that happens, things, you know, obviously they need to be qualified, but, but ha- people who have the passion and the drive 
you know, I believe are always worth taking the risk on. You said, you know, you said that the R word before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was something I felt passionately about. And, you know, as I started to think about where the world was going, you know, look, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't uh, make a ton of money betting on this, uh, but but you could see the, you could sort of start to see the disruption in media distribution start to unfold. Um, and and that's obviously played itself out at least pretty strongly, I, I believe, up until up until recently. You, you, all the consolidation, you know, the the Fox and Disney and the Time Warner of it all. Um, and obviously what the streaming services are, are, are doing now uh, in terms of, you know, once, once the audience was sort of liberated, the entire media, the entire media world was going to change, right? So you kind of see that happening, uh, you know, and then if you take a step back and think about how many interlocking parts there are to that um, from brand communication, right? You have, you even look at a business like Kraft, which you, you saw the news on, on them. Yeah. I think you're you're going to see a lot of old line businesses that felt you know there's a great stat and I'll try to get it right but um, I think it's something or you know some overwhelming percentage and you could fact check me but I'm going to say 75% of the Fortune 500 the companies that were in the Fortune 500 you know 30 years ago aren't in the Fortune 500 anymore. Right? Oh yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and even in the, the top the top fifty. I mean, the crazy thing is, like, even the top fifty guys, like General Electric, you know, are not there anymore, right? I mean, those are the yeah. companies you didn't think were going anywhere, and they're not close to being there now. I mean, it's wacky. It's really crazy. Yeah, you have this you have this thing that's happening, and it's all on the. It's almost like the pace of everything's just the technology is making the the pace of everything accelerate at an exponential pace, right? And that's hard to – because you're basically on – you're drafting off of this, you know, the Moore's Law thing. And mm-hmm. when that starts to happen – I mean, just think about – in the span of human history, think about how, like, how seismic the change in communication has been just over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, just cra- – when you look at it, the, the big picture that way, it's cra- – so all that change, all that disruption is sort of – to me, has always been accelerating. So you're seeing a lot of businesses now, even like, so when you get back into the media world, and it's really the attention economy. But but yeah. what you're seeing is I think you'll see businesses that are structurally tied to old media begin to fall apart, and and it's because yeah. their organizations and and the, and their partners are all sort of really you know where they make this huge investment in, in communications and marketing, they're all sort of really over-indexed on making expensive 30-second films for television, right? And and yeah. to unwind that is really painful. So then you see these new businesses come along that don't have the legacy. That are free to behave in their rational best interest, you know, to 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 tie it on that road. They're 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 able to make decisions without the overwhelming baggage of a hundred years of a corporation, right? So the, so there's all that stuff kind of intertwined in this this giant, you know, media picture that's happening now. And so my point of view back then, without understanding that full picture, you know, because we're talking about ten years ago or whatever. Um, my point of view was that if media was going to change, if, if content consumption was going to fragment to a million audiences and, and go from, you know, one to many, from to, to some to many, to many to many, ultimately, I, the creation of the content had to change along with it, right? The, mm-hmm. the, 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 
so, but no one was really addressing that. And, and, and so I, I thought a lot around the, the idea of, you know, you have, you know, I'll bet on the acceleration of internet connectivity and, you know, 6 billion people before I'll bet on a closed system, right? So, so the world is kind of, in, in all that, in my opinion, the world's moved from this idea of scarcity, which was the world that I started in Hollywood, is you thrive on scarcity, um, kind of the world of abundance. You're we're going to a place where everyone has, you know, tools have been demonetized. Um, they've been democratized. Everyone has these things, right? And that, that I mean, the, the things that people have been able to do just with, you know, ultimately free tools, in the last 10 years of Tongle has really been, has been crazy. So you have this, you know, you have talent that's been democratized and you have tools that have been democratized. So, so ultimately, you know, I believe that people are in, 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 you know, are born creative. And I believe that if you empower the right ones with tools, I'll bet on the world over people with a 90210 zip code. And that's kind of like, that's kind of where, you know, that's kind of how it, it, it sort of got going and kind of what drives everything we're doing because the, the processes and economics around content, in my opinion, in the new paradigm can't, it can't act like the old paradigm. The monetization is never going to be there. I mean, all, all, you know, you're seeing like the arms race for TV talent now and all this stuff that's happening. And, and I just don't think it's sustainable. I think, it, I think it's, it's really, you know, everyone trying to get there first as fast as they can. Um, yeah. And it's dangerous. Well, you and John, Lan you and John Landgraf agree on that one. Um, yeah. He's been ringing a bell on uh, um, peak TV for gosh, five, six years now. And every year he says, you know, this peak isn't sustainable and people kind of keep finding a new mountain though. I, I don't know. I think we're going to start seeing some of that. I mean, we, you know, we look at what's happening to Warner media, you know, Richard Pepler leaving and the head of Turner leaving. I mean, that's pretty big and, you know, some sign that they may be merging the, that those two very different universes of TV and, um, you know, that's, but they're that's all inextricably woven together. You, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's so woven. You have these media companies are there. It's almost like building a nuclear warhead inside your own organization. They're so mm -hmm. tied to advertising dollars. Mm. Yeah, right and 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 you, you, you yeah the the model the, the 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 customer has said i will pay 15 bucks a month for uninterrupted high quality programming right just hbo yeah, yeah. everybody yeah yeah and and, and so there's it, i just think it's yeah no i think it's this really dangerous thing and 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 you know the i don't know you tell me what's the what's a good audience for a for a streaming show like, you know, what's a hit? Like, how many people actually watch Stranger Things? I don't even know the number off the top of my head. That's a breakdown, uh, right? Well, and, and Netflix won't tell you. I mean, they'll tell you right. that uh, Bird Box had uh, 80 million subscribers. We don't know how many people are attached to each of those accounts, but 80 million subscribers watched Bird Box. And they'll tell you that um, a few others had some things, and we've seen some numbers leak out in one place or another, but. But yeah, I mean, we don't know what, what the hit. And, and I guess the real, to me, we ask the wrong question and we ask a question based on advertising when we ask how many people are enough for, for mm -hmm. a show when the issue is based on what they spend, are they continuing to drive growth in their audience overall and keep it happy and reduce churn? 
because those yeah. are the things that matter to what their business model is. When TV networks complain that there are no ratings for Netflix shows, they completely, I mean, as you say, they're so wedded to advertising, they don't understand that doesn't matter. What matters is what did you pay for the content? Is it getting watched by enough people to make them happy to keep on signing up and keep, keep paying, paying 15 bucks a month? Yeah. Yeah. It's a totally different conversation and it's like two different universes. Right. And we'll be, I'll be interested to see how the new streaming services from uh, Warner Media, from Disney, from uh, NBCU, which are going to have, in some cases at least, still have a, uh, an ad component. I'll be interested to see how they evolve and how they, how they compete because you know, yeah. they're, they're going to get complicated real quick. So, yeah, no, and just um, how much debt can these companies take on? You know, Netflix right, is sort yeah. of immune to it right now because their multiple is so high. But but ultimately, yeah. you know, uh, I, I just don't it, – it starts to get – that's what I mean. It starts to get dangerous. It starts to get pretty interesting. Yeah. And all this stuff is oh, – yeah. you know, it's all tied together anyway. So that's that's sort of – anyway, that, that's sort of the big picture perspective that I've sort of had. And, and what I've been trying to build here is is a real production model that matches a fragmented audience, right? But, mm-hmm. I think every one of these streaming systems and every – you know, are all going to need to obviously have to overinvest in in the in in tentpole content, right? It, it's just it's marketing mm-hmm. ultimately. It's like how do you get? You, you, it's a very different thing, right? You're marketing something to get people to subscribe to a service, and you need to continue to program for them. But but I do mm-hmm. think trying to build a model that can deliver high quality storytelling um, at a, at a at a true fraction of the price because because of the model and who's mm-hmm. doing it is is a really is a really um, valuable idea, and it's a disruptive one at that, um, w- which no one's really addressing, in my opinion. I think it's really all focused on the pipe and not the factory, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, so you guys have what a hundred thousand creators in your yeah pool? we yeah we have about one hundred and seventy thousand uh, creators in different parts of the world. Um, they, you know, the cool thing, as I said earlier, you know, I set out to sort of democratize the business of content creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and what's cool to see is that the population of our community mirrors the real population, right? So, so more than 50% of them are women and, you know, the age range is, is more diverse than you would see, whether you're talking about Hollywood or Madison Avenue, right? It's, um, it's mm-hmm. it's nice to see opportunities presented in a more democratic way. Um, sure. Really creating yeah creating opportunity. Like my uh, you know Dan has probably heard me tell this story. But my my one of my favorite stories is is probably the best CGI animator in our community. Is a husband and wife team in Nevada, and they really didn't have a ton of animating under their belt but the 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 husband robert he had done a few things here and there in the 2d kind of flash world and they discovered our site i guess maybe five years ago and they started doing lego projects really almost exclusively they've done a bunch of stuff but they're but they're they're, they're really you know do a lot of lego work they, they've earned well over and, a million and they were dollars. building and they were building these shows brick by brick i take it uh, yeah, for lack of a better analogy, for sure. Um, <laughs> and, and so they—they they basically they—they they basically went out. They got a copy of Maya, 
So that they have the tool, they found the opportunities on our site. And because information is, is available to everybody, they actually were able to teach themselves watching YouTube videos. And, uh, and literally, they've earned over a million dollars in the community. They, uh, you can see their animations streaming on Netflix right now. Um, and they're, they're doing all kinds of crazy projects this year that I, I won't be able to talk about soon. But it's just this, it, it's this, you know, you have this latent talent pool. And then you present that talent mm. pool with the ability to do something that they're passionate about. And, and it's just, it's just awesome to see, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they wouldn't, they weren't in the system. They, that was a, that was an asset the system didn't know how to, didn't know how to work with because it didn't know it even existed. Right. It, you know, it's this creative democracy idea where, you know, if you, if you give the right people the right opportunities, they're going to do the right stuff. So how do you, out of the 170,000, remind me how you are able to, to pick a specific creator out of that gigantic pool for a specific project? How does that work? So the, the system works like, um, it, it's really a, pla- a software platform to RFP these creators on different projects and then manage the workflow from there so it's it's one part rfp mm-hmm. platform one part community management and payment tool and then one part workflow management right so we can take a with our platform and our software we can take a request from one of our uh, one of our partners that request can go out to our community and the entire process is sort of digitized in the sense that you know timelines are automatic and the community is you know all, the, all that management gets gets strung together and essentially what they're being asked to do is, is submit their proposal, right? I, I use the analogy for people here, it's reverse Kickstarter, right? So mm-hmm. on Kickstarter, I'd make my own video and I'd go on and I'd say, you know, I'm James and, you know, I am dying to make this, you know, coffee table book about coffee tables. If you guys would just each give me, you know, 50 bucks, I can do it. Um, yeah. This is, you know, where National Geographic we need a mini document. We need a mini documentary series that explores these ideas. Tell mm-hmm. us how you would tell us who you are and how you would do it, and in a video or a treatment. And if we like that, how much money do you need? And if we like what you say, we'll fund you. And 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 then what? From there, our sort of system takes over and okay. manages through the you know with supervision manages through the creative process and delivering cuts and and our website delivers the files and all those cool things that go along with it so it's really trying to scale that type of content creation and get it done okay. at, you know as you said at a good price yeah so 170,000 how many of those 170,000 are getting work in a given year a lot of bodies um you know, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but you know, we have a really active base. The I think somewhere around forty percent of that community has actually earned money at some point. Um, and we have things that people are doing which are, which are um, just written things. You know, in different roles. One of the things I'm focused on is creating more opportunity for those people. Um, for writers, but, let me just uh, salute you. Yeah, sir. we have right. Yeah, totally. We, <laughs> <you're> right. <laughs> Um, so I think it's a relatively healthy economy. We have a great, um, we have great retention in the community. So people who mm-hmm. are submitting five years ago are still submitting and, and all those things. And we really take the community element of it pretty seriously. 
in the sense that um, a lot of businesses that tried to, to do this, uh, I don't think respected the talent pool as much. And we, I do think I'm in the talent business in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we try to be fair. We try to, you, would, you know, we make sure. I mean, well, before, I think before we really had a company, the entire marketing plan was just to pay people as humanly as fast as possible. Like, you know, as mm-hmm. soon as somebody would, would, would get awarded something on the site, we'd make sure they're literally stuffing envelopes and making sure they got it as fast as possible. And that helped build our community. It actually helped build, a lot of people will say, you know, well, I can just do this. And to mm-hmm. that, I'd say, well, good luck with attack. And then, and then even harder than that is building trust with the sort of, you know, this yeah. organism. Yeah over time yeah. because they because it's really hard to build that into the system and there's only really one way to do it and that's to earn it <laughs> so so that's the, that's sort of um that that's sort of like a little bit of the key i think to being successful absolutely so of the 170,000 you said uh, about 40% of them have have uh, done some work how many deals would you do in a year how many did you do last year roughly how many projects what's a deal I don't know. You tell me. What's the deal? I mean, you put a project up, <laughs> we're doing it. I we, mean, we, I don't know. I, you could have multiple creatives I, involved in a single project, I guess, and have them all get paid. Through yeah, you have you have multiple. Like, so we have these things that we're doing with with Fox, um, these alien franchise films, and there are thousands of people attached to them in one way or another. There's over a thousand people, like in, in different capacities. That I worked on on a, on a series of six shorts, right? In in different in different things. We we in terms of de- like quote unquote deal, I think we, we made probably five thousand videos last year. Okay. So you know you start to you do that, you make between five and ten thousand videos a year, and you do that over time, and that's that's kind of what we're doing. You know, we have a small from an FTE yeah. standpoint, we have a, full, a small company, so the community is really right. doing. Like some people will come in here and be like. So where do you guys make the videos? I'm like, we don't. Right, right. <laughs> like, we don't. Like, there's not a. And in fact, like our community team's been bugging me to get. Like, we don't even have like a camera set up. So the oh, point you should is do that to just have like, a, like some live streaming from your office about what Tongle's doing by the ocean, or have a have a uh, ocean cam because you guys are like a block from the ocean, right? Yeah, no, the ocean cam is, is, is my phone. I mean, like I'm almost, I'm almost like <laughs> hard headed about it because I'm trying to prove a point that I don't want to have a camera here mm-hmm. because it's supposed to be, you know, I look at what we do and our business and, and we're really a way that an organization can build a, a true like Uber economy studio, right? There's no, like a, look, whether we're talking to brands or movie studios, they all know, or, or animation companies, they all need extra capacity, right? And the only way that they know how to get extra capacity is to build a soundstage or to hire a bunch of people and buy a bunch of equipment. There's no, there's no capital investment outside of the platform fee for Tongle for somebody to really have the ability to set up an entire studio operation. Yeah, right. The brands, uh, so you said uh, 5,000 videos, it's a lot, and that's, I'm trying to get a sense of about how many brands dip in and, and like what's a typical length um, on average. Do you have any numbers on that just to get some idea? Length of what? Doing, on the, uh, the, length, the video? The length of the video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, our sweet spot is really short form content, whether that's for monetization or marketing purposes. And I, I'd say the, the vast majority of our videos are between 30 seconds and three minutes long. Okay. 
I don't have any true analysis around that, but, but, right. you, you know, just kind of like what I see people doing, it's, 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 atypical that we have things that are longer it happens quite a bit like those alien things are an example of something that's that's 11 minutes but for the most part that's what we're being used for is this is this this area where you know quite honestly this is what people's attention span right asks for but but this is stuff that's going to be going i mean so people understand what's going on brands figured out that they can't just do that 30 second spot on a broad on cbs that they've got to create content for the web and they've got to create video content as part of that to get their stuff out there in a variety of ways, do it in a compelling way alongside all the other stuff that's coming out, right? And so you guys are having, they're, create, they're creating stuff for a brand, typically for brands. This is not, you know, journalism we're talking about here. This is typically brand content marketing, that kind of stuff. And it's going on the big the big social media platforms. It's going on to what their own publishing, uh, their own presence, their own websites. It's going yeah for uh, where, a where lot else? of mostly we're yeah we're, we're a lot of times we're just programming a channel for a brand or or a studio mm-hmm. right or working on an IP. So so yeah no that that's that's exactly right. They, they, look I mean the consumption pattern is in order to and and we're all you know controlled by the algorithmic machines. So the algorithmic machines are telling everybody that they need content three to five times a week in order to remain relevant and build an audience. And in order to feed that thing, you, you, you know, you you can't have a, a you know six seven figure production every time. <laughs> like everyone will be out of business. Right. And and right, right. and the the secret sauce in a lot of ways is you know having a democratic process like we do. You know, I usually joke around with people. You know, we have 160,000 people who work for us who have no obligation to show up for work every day, um, mm-hmm. and it's really our manufacturing base, right? And mm-hmm. in order for them to do that, the opportunities need to be interesting and sort of cross the Venn diagram of things that they want to do, right? So for the most part, you, you'll find that somebody on our platform in our community who's doing a Nat Geo piece is pretty passionate about Nat Geo or Lego or whatever it happens to be. And that's really cool. I mean, that's that, that's actually the audience co-programming that works. Sure, sure, and getting paid for it, but but it's a more of a passion project to some extent too. I mean, not to diminish in any way your creators; they're not hobbyists, so I'm sure some of them have it as something less than their full-time job. But that passion component helps drive engagement and interest. I'm I'm guessing is what you're saying. They are. I mean, some of them are hobbyists, but some of them are very, you know highly skilled, highly talented professionals, but they're looking for something else. And a lot of times it is somebody like the, like the, the couple from that I, that I just got, uh, the, the CGI mm-hmm. couple from Nevada, you know, they're, they're, they're building their own, you know, we see like little businesses pop up around our platform, right? So typically somebody's going from like James DiGiulio to James DiGiulio Productions, right? Cause suddenly now you have a business cause you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of money flowing through it and you're running these productions and, and there's now you need more people to help you. And, and that's a really cool thing that, that we see happening. So, mm-hmm. so they, what's nice is to see like they become things, you know, they become, they become businesses built off of our platform. Right, right. Interesting. I mean, it's like what happened with eBay or uh, the affiliate yeah, exactly. marketing yeah. on Amazon. This is that platform play. Do you think, though, that it's appropriate to call you a full-fledged platform because you're really sort of uh, – there's a lot of folks out there that are using it as a 
connector over to brands. Is that really the, the why you consider yourself a platform? Uh, well, I, I consider myself as a platform because because we have the ongoing op, like it's it's a it is a connector of of people to brands and workflow management. So there's the there's the software element to the whole thing, and it's not a pure it's not a pure exchange marketplace, but it's a managed marketplace right now because because the people who we are targeting in our customer base need they need management they want management right. We look at ourselves like we're a community that has a platform. Yeah. Right. And that's that's how we think of ourselves. But without that platform, without that management, we wouldn't be able to do those 5,000 videos because then suddenly economics would catch up to us. So what's the next step for you guys? Where do you go next? I mean, look, this year was really where we're really digging in and trying to build out our customer base a little bit deeper. Um, that's, okay. that's obviously the, the first objective. But from there... Um, we're going to kind of, as we mentioned earlier, start to create more opportunity for more people through a different type of, of project and work on the site. And then on top of that, um, we'll begin to invest in our own uh, IP. Uh, when you say invest in your own IP, you're going to start producing content, not just producing a platform upon which other people produce content and connect with brands. You're going to produce in-house content that might be on behalf of brands and have a have a staff and all that is that where you're going well we've already done a lot of that like we did a tv show we've we, you know we just sold a uh, i don't know if i'm allowed <laughs> we, we, we're in the feature business um, a little bit and um what, what we're trying to do is create a more programmatic way for our community to have their own ideas developed Right, so less okay. about the actual quote-unquote production of that, but more about the incubation of new ideas. So okay. that, that's kind of what this right. year is about for us. That, that's that's where we're, that's where we're taking it and building the tools around the creative process as much as we can, as fast as we can. We think is is the most important thing to do. How do you c control quality? I guess on the front end, you've got a bunch of people making a proposal and they're spending their own time to make that proposal and the ones that mm -hmm. get chosen get paid for it right but how do you consistent keep it consistent because i mean if you've got all these players out there i mean i, I got to think there's some ups and downs in terms of who's available who's who's making a pitch so on and so forth yeah i mean outside of your like traditional online reputation systems and ratings and and status and all those things that we do and like we're we're super focused on leaderboards and, and you know, people are really, they, they want to have their, you know, their profiles be in the top profiles and, and, and that stuff because mm -hmm. that helps them, you, you know, so, so there's a little bit of, they, they, they know they're, not only they're doing a job, they're protecting online and reputation, but that's why okay. it's still a managed, to be honest, that's why it's still a managed platform. And that's why we're pretty focused on yeah. the high end of the enterprise. If you just look at our, our customer base, you know, is, is really strong big enterprises that are very deep into content, uh, whether that's on the brand side, like a Lululemon, uh, or in the kind of kids space with Lego or Mattel or, or any one of those companies that are that are that are active on our platform to the the other part of the customer base, which is really studios and networks, whether that's NBC or MGM or you know Interesting. all the people we work with there. So so it, it has to be quality right now it has to be quality controlled by and so there, we have project managers that that's their job. To, to, mm -hmm. to work on delivery. And you guys, you're based in Santa Monica. Uh, how is the company now? Uh, it's going to be 10 years old this year. Oh, that's crazy. Well, congrats on that. Thanks. Um, yeah. I bet you didn't anticipate that 
taking. No, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where it's just funny to see the slow burn around all this, knowing that it's the right thing to do at the right time. But the, it, it just, it's just really interesting to see how, how long it takes for the sort of shockwaves to, to hit. And I kind of feel like the, the day that the Disney merger got announced was really where it actually stepped into the, the present day. You know the, mm. the world around all this, so, so yeah, it's been a pretty fun ride since then. And that'll do it. Thanks so much for listening. I am David Bloom. I am so grateful to you, as I always like to say, for your patience and interest. And I hope to continue to provide stuff that will engage you. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and share it across uh, all the places you think it matters. It will help the magic algorithm machines uh, get this out to more folks. And uh, in the meantime, I hope you're having a great week and learning a bunch. I've got uh, May ahead of me with a whole bunch of conferences. I've got one this week at uh, the Skirball tied to the UCLA Anderson School of Management. I think it's called uh, Next On or On Next. And that should be interesting. And we've got the LA Games Conference next week. At the games conference, they'll have me moderating a panel. It's always a great gathering, a small, compact, uh, leadership-filled group, and that will be in Hollywood. Uh, I hope that maybe you all can make it to one of these two conferences or the other ones coming up this month. In the meantime, um, I expect to have lots more to uh, put up in terms of conversations, so please stay tuned. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn at David L. Bloom, on Twitter at David Bloom, and on Forbes, TV Rev, and Tube Filter. This is David Bloom for Bloom in Tech, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone. 